Yeah, Mason, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, Mason's story, like so many others, is a story of God getting a hold of your heart and moving you from one step of growth to another step of faith to another step of faith. A transformation happens in the midst of that. And I know there might be some of you in the room who are saying, man, that, I've, I've never done that. I've never been water baptized, and I, and I don't have quite that experience. I want to encourage you, if you're in the room and you're thinking, uh, what about me? How can I? then uh, talk to someone about it. We have people here who would love to talk to you about what it means to be water baptized. If you're online, you can ask one of the hosts about that or go right to the next step link on the, on the uh, what's that thing called on the internet that's our page, Matt? What's that? The thing where the next steps are? A website, website, that's what it is, thank you. Um, click next steps on the website and uh, you'll see there the opportunity for you to do what you need to do to get water baptized. Also, Annie and Andy, Andy and Andy, <laughs> um, <laughs> forgive me, they'll be over here able to talk to you about your next steps as well after service if you're in the house. So feel free to chat with them about it. So water baptism is a great way to take that next step of faith. One of my concerns always when I get up to preach is that I'm going to preach heresy. I figured out a way, I think, to keep it from happening today. Matt, can you help me out? This is Matt Bullard, everybody. Say hi, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Matt, you're going to be my heresy guard today. If I start preaching heresy, anything you think is heresy, you're going to toss this, not toss it, but whip it at my head, okay? <laughs> as fast, as hard as you can, all right? Serious. Can you do that for me? Who believes in Matt? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, today, oh, by the way, my name is Pastor Jeremiah. I get to be the youth pastor here at Word of Life. It's, it's a joy. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Um, and it's also my joy, honor, and privilege to bring you a message today on the topic of transitions. It's actually a message that's been on my heart for a while since uh, I think we can all agree that this year has had a lot of changes over the past 12 months. There's been a lot of things going on, and God has been speaking to my heart about how to navigate that personally, how to navigate that as a pastor, as well as how to navigate that as a dad and a brother um, and a uh, and a husband, and all the different hats we all put on. He's been helping me and speaking to me. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you today. But before I do, I would just ask you if you would pray with me. I need his help. Father, I thank you for the chance to carry uh, your word to your people today. Lord, as the joy of worship has transpired in the midst of singing and the joy of next steps and life change has happened through the midst of sharing of story, I pray that you would continue to shape and mold our hearts by the speaking of your word. Help me to be invisible today, God, so that you would be visible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today is a, a great day of um, American culture. Not so great as it used to be. I don't think the Super Bowl has as much uh, traction as maybe it has in the past, as much allure. Um, but as a Buffalo Bills fan, in case anybody knows, um, this year has been a fun year to watch transitions come to play out in desired outcomes, right? And so, in case you don't know this, let me just take a moment. The Buffalo Bills are a longtime losing team, and um, they've had a long history of difficulty, varied successes, some would say. And uh, they made, over the course of the past few years, they made some transitions of uh, staff, of players. Uh, they now have a great quarterback. Well, pe some people say he's great. Some people say their wide receivers are great. And, and the Buffalo fan base is very great. Um, and they're saying, but we've got something pretty great as a result of all these acquisitions and changes and transitions and such and such and so and so. And, and we can watch those changes create a desired outcome that we enjoy. And although those changes and transitions have 
to a certain extent, made some changes that we enjoy. If you're a football fan, it also hasn't changed anything in terms of Tom Brady getting to the Super Bowl. I don't know if any of you follow it, but it's ridiculous that there can be so many changes going on, but some things just stay the same. It, remember that as we talk today. You will go through changes. Your team, your family, your church, your life, you will go through changes. Many things will lead to desired outcomes that you enjoy, many things will not, and some things will just stay the same. So, let me start by giving you a definition for this word that we keep throwing around, transition. It's a hot topic. If I could say this, Merriam-Webster gave 2020's word of the year to be pandemic, which, okay, but uh, I would, if I had the power and the authority, which I don't, but today I'm going to suggest that it should have been transition. I, I think the year 2020 was not about one pandemic. It was about the changing of the world from one reality to another. So transition, as is defined, is the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. The process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down. It's a good one to remember. We have been through a lot, right? 2020 has been wild. There's been global impact of the pandemic. There's been global changes. The way we perceive the world is different now than it was a year ago. We're looking at other countries and judging the way that they vaccinate their people. We're judging the way that countries around the world figured out how to do or how not to do herd immunity. We don't, last year we didn't even know what herd immunity was. If I asked you, what's herd immunity? You'd be like, I don't know, but it sounds weird farmer talk. I don't know. Like, herd immunity. Maybe some of you are still trying to figure that out. Go ahead and Google it, fig, you know, figure it. But we, we have shifts of understanding, shifts of judgment on a global level. All of us, our nation and other nations have been brought to the brink of frustration with one another. Foreign policies have changed. And that brings me to another transition that we've all been through, the U.S. election, right? And I know it's dangerous to talk about elections in church, right? So I'm not going to get into parties, who should, who shouldn't, what their specific policies are. But I'll tell you what, nobody can argue with the fact that a U.S. election and every four years, quite frankly, is a significant shift from one current reality to another current reality. And this one for sure has brought a significant transition, not just of the presidency, but of the Senate, of Congress, of our foreign policy, of our economic state as a nation. There's been a lot of transition nationally. If you still don't believe me about transition being the word for the year, ask a student, ask a teacher. Hey, has there been much change in the educational system this year? Virtual learning is commonplace. Online classes, I don't know about you, but if I was a teenager in high school and I had the opportunity to attend my classes by way of my phone, it would be a bad scene. A bad scene. Because I would be, I'd be in class and I'd be on my phone. I would also be in bed on my pillow. All right, which I know is probably a reality for many, um, but it's a significant change, right? It'd be hard to pull that off while classes were still going on 100% in real life, in real class, right? Your teacher would think you lost your mind if you show up in your PJs. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Some kids show up in their PJs. That's cool now. But there's been changes to the educational system. Our teachers feel that heavily. 
Economically, recently we saw the stock market blow up with the GameStop stuff. If you don't know what's going on there, there's all kinds of figuring out of individuals from their devices, from the apps that they're able to use to navigate and some might even say manipulate and figure out how to take advantage of secrets of the stock market that have shifted economical statuses for people. I know of people personally who have made acute, significant, wise investments who are now trying to figure out the way that they need to report their income next year because they've made more money this year in the midst of this transition than they ever have in the past. Not because they changed jobs, just because they figured out how to invest their money in wise ways. Right? Transition has shifted not just nationally, globally, educationally, but even socioeconomically. We're in a different place than we were just a year ago. I haven't even mentioned yet our church. I haven't even mentioned yet the fact that Pastor Randy announced his retirement and Marianne last week. Right? Our faith community is different now than it was a year ago. And by the way, retirements, as Pastor Randy said today, who's surprised by this? And um, we're, nobody, if you say, like, you, you're going to retire someday, nobody's surprised by that, right, in our nation. But it's another transition. It's another shift. Our faith community is answering questions differently now of how we worship, where we worship, when we worship. As a matter of fact, there's somebody listening to my voice, and we love you, and we're thankful for you tuning in on Monday morning. They're checking out what's happening in Word of Life and they're worshiping with us the day after the service is happening because they have the opportunity and availability, as we heard can be life-changing, in the midst of the week after the service went live. Thank you guys for joining us. We love you. Check us out next week too. So there's transition upon transition that shouldn't, I shouldn't be raising new tensions in the room, but rather just identifying the ones we all feel. And... I also know I can't move on without mentioning this, as well as we've mentioned the communal transitions that we've all been through depending on the circles that you're connected to. I haven't even talked about what you're going through personally. What has happened over the course of this past year in your family's life, in your life? The loss of a job, the addition of a job, the loss of a senior year, the addition of a baby, a marriage, a divorce, All these things have deep personal impact on the way that we walk our lives out and equal to a change from where we were to where we are. Transitions aren't just for 2020, they're for every year. And if you don't figure out how to navigate transitions in your life, how to manage your heart and your mind as you go from one reality to the next, you'll be crushed, I promise. And I wanna tell you this morning that there's good news That history may repeat itself. It may or may not repeat itself. I've heard people say that. Anybody ever heard that? History repeats itself. I I honestly don't think that's true, right? Like, history doesn't repeat itself exactly. What, What they're really saying is history rhymes, right? Like, history has a sense that we've been here before. There's something going on now that feels familiar. And if we're not wise, if we're foolish in our lives, we'll hear the rhyming of history and we'll ignore it. And we'll go, "Ah, we'll figure it out next time. I want to encourage you today, in the midst of our transition as a nation, in the midst of our transition as a world, and in the midst of your changes in your life personally, even as a church, we look back at the rhyming seasons of history, and we go, oh, that was a moment where something happened that seems very much like what we're going through now, 
and maybe even worse then than is now, and learn from it as we go forward. The gospel has a way of helping us understand and transforming our hearts into a way that handles transition well. Good news, change is not new on God's kingdom mindset, and also good news is God's throne is not shaken or rattled by the changes of 2020. He's not even surprised by it. As we walk through this passage today that I want to share with you out of the book of Isaiah, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to look up, to look in, and look out. And then in the end, I'll challenge you to look again. And as I say those things, uh, let me just say these are, I would call these kind of the three looks of gospel-shaped transition. So if you're taking notes, you could write that down. I'm going to read to you Isaiah 6, chapter, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. I think they'll be up on the screen for us to, to watch along with. Check it out. It goes like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, how'd you like to have that name, Uzziah? Great. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. Some translations say, I am destroyed, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips." For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Hear my, send me. First, we're going to look up today, and to do that, I want you to know a little bit of the backstory here. I'm, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy with you. I really like digging into Scripture, and there's some things, there's a whole bunch of things that I learned over this passage that I'm not going to talk about today, but there's a few things that you just got to know. King Uzziah had reigned in Israel for over 50 years, which was unheard of for a king in Israel. He had reigned for a lengthy period of time, and throughout that reign over Israel, he had done things that had brought blessing and favor on the people of Israel. Yeah, he had had some mistakes along the way, and he fell short in some areas like every leader does, but in the midst of Isaiah's statement in chapter 6, King Uzziah dying is a statement about a significant transition nationally, not just for Isaiah, but for his whole country. And as he references King Uzziah's death, he's saying, in the year of great transition, in the year that my nation changed, in the year the reign over my country was turned upside down and a new king was put in place. That's how he's starting. In the midst of this story of Isaiah, in the midst of we looking back at Isaiah's life, I want to also tell you other things that were happening in his life as well. There were leadership assassinations happening. Throughout his lifetime, he saw the upheaval of his country. There were states of the Jewish people and the, the tribes of Israel breaking off and joining with foreign nations and then coming back and doing war against their own people 
locked arms with their enemies. He lived through and ministered through civil wars and civil unrest, the likes of which America has not seen. All throughout his life, he heard of stories and different things going on with other prophets falling short and dropping the ball, and and he heard some word about some guy who got swallowed up by a fish and spit out at Nineveh, and then all of a sudden was sharing the good news of God's repentance with them. And and, And all throughout his life, he was hearing stories of transition and change, and also part of it as well. He saw four kings move in and out of authority. He saw temple, Bethel, destroyed which was a monument to his God that was a place where they would go to and have moments unlike any other of worship and significant turning of events at that place, destroyed. His life was filled with transition in a way that we have not seen. And he says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I want to encourage you today that we can do the same thing. As we rhyme with history, We can say, maybe Isaiah would have said, in the year of King Uzziah, in the year of the assassination, in the year my country was torn apart, that might be what he would say, but I think, would it be well to put our own words in that place of the prophet? As we have an opportunity to rhyme with history, we could say, God, in the year of the pandemic, in the year of my unemployment, in the year that we went virtual, in the year that... I won in the stock market in the year that my family fell apart, in the year that the presidency was won or lost, in the year that the Congress changed, in the year of the Capitol Hill, in the year of the, in the year of that we could add in there anything that has happened in transition over the year. And we can also add in, and here's the good news, that we can add in, I looked up and I saw the Lord seated on the throne. I saw the glory of God filling the temple. In the year that we lost our baby, I looked up and I saw the Lord, and he was still seated on the throne. In the year that my friend lost his battle, the Lord was still seated on the throne, not caught by surprise. In this year, as Isaiah did, we can look up and see the Lord on the throne, his presence filling the temple. And here's what you can do, and and I want to make this tactical as well, and not just talk high and lofty ideals and hope that in in the midst of your grief and loss of family members and jobs and things like that, you can hear this semi challenging message from Pastor Jeremiah and be like, okay, wait, but what do I do with that? What do I do? I want to give you something to do with this. Can I do that? Is that all right? Online, I want you to do something with this. As you go throughout this week, We can turn back in this text. There's an angel that says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There have been desperate, there have been heartbreaking moments throughout this past year, and I don't take them lightly. I've been part of some of them with our church. I've been part of some of them with my closest of family members in those moments. My heart has been re-gathered by the words, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. You are not shaken. When I can't hold myself together and when I think I'm holding myself together, please, Lord, hold me together. 
You can pray that prayer. You can pray that prayer anywhere, anytime, through any transition, through any difficulty. You can look up to God and say, holy are you, God, maker of all things. Hold me together. As our eyes are fixed on the thing that brings us hope, so goes our next step. And that's where I want to go next. As your eyes are fixed on the thing that brings you hope, it will change the direction of your day. It won't just change the direction of your day. It'll actually change how you look in to yourself. Your image of who you are is directly impacted by what you look to for hope. Isaiah's identity was formed and shaped by the time he spent before God. And this rhymes with humanity forever because what we esteem to be the thing that anchors us is the thing that will cause us to become our next version. We will transform according to the thing that we place our hope. And so as we look in, which is the second look of today, I want you to be careful about this one and look into yourself after looking up to God and experiencing his glory and his holiness and praying those prayers and say, God, who am I? And this happens as Isaiah is before God. He says, woe to me. Woe. 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 Like, when you see people in Scripture come face to face with God anytime, anywhere, there's a moment of destruction. There's a moment where they are undone before God, right? And I think what's happening there is they see and we see the disparity between his perfection and our imperfection. And we go, oh, so that's what you are. Oh, crud. I'm a piece of garbage, right? And I don't mean in a self-deprecating way. I don't mean you're saying about what God has made, it is not good. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you see the sin of your life as it is in the reflection of God's glory. And as you look up to God and you see the holiness of the fire of that place and you spend time in his presence and you see his perfect love, you realize, ooh, I am not loving people that way. Oh, God, you are good, and you are merciful, and you are always patient with me, and you're kind, and you're glorious, and I am really far from what you are. And I want to kind of challenge you today, if you're listening in the room, if you're watching online, if you haven't had that kind of moment where you've spent time with God, and you're like, oh, I'm, I am not right. I am actually being destroyed by being in your presence, God then you may not have actually come into the presence of the true God. You may have come into the presence of a counterfeit version. Because the holiness of God is something that ought to cause a repentant heart. And as we walk before the holy God of Israel, as we walk before, and Isaiah, Isaiah did walk before him, he says, I am destroyed. I look into my life and I realize I'm so far from what I could be. And I, God, I could never be. Woe to me. I'm destroyed. I'm crushed. Almost wordless speech is what I see here. And in the midst of our transition and we look into ourselves, sometimes we're tempted to look into ourselves and go, I can figure this out. I can make this work. But Isaiah, in the midst of his transition, he's like, King Uzziah died, what should I do? God, boom, done. Like, I'm destroyed, I can't figure this out, I don't know how to make this work, God. King Uzziah is dead, I thought I could make it, but I see you and go, oh, I'm totally lost without you. You're the only one. And as he looked up to God, it changed the way he looked into himself. And he realized that the good news 
of the gospel was not that God said to Isaiah in his broken, destroyed state, hey, Isaiah, I got some work for you to do. Now that you're undone, okay, King Uzziah is gone. I need you to do some work. Here's seven tasks that I need from you to make sure that the nation comes back together. I need you to preach the word with integrity. I need you to study well. I need you to go on this mission trip to help those other people. Isaiah, I need you to go into Nineveh with Jonah and make sure he's doing the right thing because you know how crazy that dude is. He just walked, ran away and I had to send a fish after him, right? Like, Isaiah, I need your help here, buddy. Step it up. There's lots of transition going on, Isaiah. I need your help. No. God doesn't say to Isaiah, I need you to do these seven things, these labors of love, so that God can make him right. No, 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 no. Remember what we read? God took a coal from the altar, and he sent it to Isaiah, and he placed it on his lips, and in the midst of his destroyed reality of what his sin had done to his life and the lives of his people, because he said, I live among a people of unclean lips. My lips are unclean, my people's lips are unclean, and I am undone before you, God. God said, I'm for you, not against you. I'm with you, not departed. I'm perfect, and you're imperfect. And God sends a burning coal from the altar and places it on his lips, and he says, in the scripture it says that his guilt and sin was atoned for by God, sending to him what he needed. And the good news is that in Isaiah's transition and in our transition, it's not about what we do to make things work. It's not about what, how we make it happen. It's about God coming to us and saying, I love you and I have a plan and I have a purpose and in the midst of your brokenness, I have healing. In the midst of your confusion, I have clarity. In the midst of your sin, I have forgiveness. And just like God brought the coal from the altar, God brought Jesus from heaven to a cross so that we who gather together to worship and we sense our sin in our hearts can look up to God and go, I am broken. And he says, I know. And I've sent my son so that you can be forgiven and your sin can be atoned for and the guilt can be no more. And you can walk free from that strong in the midst of peaceful times, in the midst of transitional times, all throughout it, looking up to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and into ourselves as forgiven, grateful people because of what God has done for us. That's good news. That's good news. God has given his son Jesus so that we could be saved. And if you're not, if, if you're not in that place, if you're still walking in destruction, if you're still feeling like, man, my sin is heavy and I'm still trying to figure out all these transitions and I just, I'm coming undone, Jeremiah. Like you're talking about this stuff like it's good, but I don't feel it. I don't feel good right now in my life. Things are coming apart at the seams. My world is upside down. Then I want to ask you, are you willing to look up? Because if you're willing to look up, you're with Isaiah. As he looked up, it wasn't about what he did. It was about what God did. And so today, I know we usually wait till the end of the message to ask you to respond with a salvation moment. But if you're in this room and you haven't made a decision to look up to Jesus for your forgiveness, for your shame-freeing moment, I want to invite you to do that right now. So if you would, close your eyes and bow your head. I'm, I'm not done yet. Don't get nervous. I've got a couple minutes left. Close your eyes, bow your head. And I want to ask you, if you're in the room and you haven't had that look-up moment where you've looked at Jesus and said, God, I need your healing. I need, I need you to take this guilt and shame away from me for the things I've done wrong. 
and you want right now to look up to Christ, I'm going to ask you to do that exact thing. But as you look up to me, may it be a sign of you looking up to Jesus. I'm going to start at the left side of my left side of the room and ask you if you're willing to say today, I trust in Jesus, if you would just look up and make eye contact with me. From my left, I'm scanning across the room. I see those eyes. I see those eyes in the back of the room. I see you. I see you back there. Thank you for that hand wave. I see your eyes as I move to my right. I see you. More importantly, Jesus sees you and knows you. If you're online, you can click the raise hand button. It will be dropped as a symbol and sign of you looking up to Jesus. And in this moment, I want to say this as we together look up to Jesus. God, your people, by your way, by your power, want to be transformed into your likeness. So God, as these who've raised their eyes and raised their hands, both in this room and online, come to you for our hope, God, we ask you to forgive our sin. We ask you, Lord, to heal our hearts, heal our nation, heal our world, and help us, God, to be ambassadors and transformed people in the midst of a transitional world so that we could reflect your glory to them. Amen, amen. I'm not giving you words to pray. I'm encouraging you as time goes on and as this week goes on to follow up with one of our hosts or follow up online with the next step as you will have the chance to. I had a couple things left to say here, so hang with me. In the midst of Isaiah's transition, he was given a calling, as are you and I. In the closing of his session, in the closing of his vision, he says, he touched my mouth, he changed who I am, and as a result of the transformed life that happened in Isaiah, God gave him a mission. God gave him a job to do. And his mission is stated as, here am I, send me. There's a sending nature in the life of a transformed person. And so we're called to look out. Not look out, like look out for a water bottle thrown at you because you might be preaching heresy, not like that. But look out, like look out into the world of people that are lost and broken and shattered and their world has been turned upside down and they don't seem to have hope and they're rattled by every headline that comes across their phone or account somewhere. Like, Look out on those people and look at them with grace and peace and love like your Savior has looked upon you and share with them the reality of your steadiness. Sometimes that takes words, sometimes it doesn't. And I would even say most of the time, the steadiness of the gospel's transformed heart comes without words. And people look at you and go, why aren't you freaking out? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you know what's happening? Yeah, I know what's happening, but I don't need to freak out. Why? Well, let me tell you why. Because God is on the throne, Satan's been defeated, and Jesus is coming again. Amen? Like, I I can say it, but I got to live it first. Yeah, cheer for Jesus. He is returning, and one day he'll make all the wrong things unright. But until then, we can rest in the hope that he is on the throne. So he said, then I heard this voice. God says to him, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. I'm here. Send me. That's terrifying, isn't it? To say to the God of the universe. It's one thing to say it to somebody who can't really do anything about it. It's a whole other thing for Isaiah to say it to the creator of the universe. Here, I'm here, Lord. Send me wherever you want. But remember, he just had an experience where he looked up and his identity was shaped by the one who created all things. So he knew that he was in the hands of a father that loved him and had good for him and glory 
for the king. So I, like him, challenge you today to look up to God, to look into yourself with gratefulness, and to look out on a hurting and broken world with grace and peace. And the last look of the day is looking again. Because if you're like me, you need to look up every day. You need to look in every day and look out every day. It doesn't happen one Sunday in church and then all of a sudden the rest of your life, every transition you go through is just seamless and easy. Every day, every day we've got to look again at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every day we've got to look into ourselves and remind ourselves of who we are in his family. Every day we've got to look out and go, where is the person that needs to see the reflection of God through my life? I wonder what it would look like. I wonder, I really wonder what it would look like if like the, I I think right now we've got about like just under 700 people or, or 800 people each week participating in our worship service, either in person or online. I wonder what would happen if this group of people chose for a week to daily spend time not being led by the bright blue light of their screens, but being led by the bright light of God's word for like the first 30 minutes of their day. And instead of grabbing my phone as soon as I wake up, because that's where my alarm clock is, I, I allow God the time to speak to me in the morning, and I'm reminded of his holiness in that space and time. I wonder what it would look like for just under a thousand people to do that for a week. What kind of change would happen in the individual lives of those people? What stories could be told about not what we did, but what the glory of God did through our willingness to look up, to look in and look out? Would you test my wonder this week? Would you be willing to test the wonder of that moment and come back to this place seven days from now and share stories of what God did because you were willing to give him the time to do it in your own life? If you would, I see hands going up like, yeah, I'll test that wonder with you, Jeremiah. Thank you. In the midst of the service online, I want you to take time this week. I want the application of this conversation to be personal. And for you to say, God, no matter what's happening in my life, I'm willing to look up to you daily and allow you to change the way I look into myself and change the way that I look out to the world. Because if you do, we'll have a different, a whole different church in just a week in a great way. So may the God of all grace bless you as you look up to Jesus as you look in with gratefulness for what he's done, and as you look out with grace and peace on a lost and dying world. Amen.